0: At this time of year, the story of the birth of Jesus, it feels ever-present everywhere, doesn't it? Like, the Bible just tells the story over and over. Like, every gospel writer has something to say about it. Every epistle writer does, too. But in reality, in reality, it's only two of the Gospels that describe the birth of Jesus specifically. The Gospel of Luke which focuses on Mary, and the Gospel of Matthew, which focuses on Joseph. Though, to be fair, Luke gives Mary much more airtime than Matthew does Joseph, but it's not a competition, and that's neither here nor there. (laughs) The Gospel of Matthew begins with what seems like a rather dry opening. It begins with a genealogy. Jesus' genealogy, to be specific, and it begins all the way back with Abraham. Following the patrilineal line, the genealogy lists the names of 42 men, the names of three women, and a shout-out to a fourth woman, though she's not mentioned by name. For those of you who are curious, the names of the women listed, they're Tamar, mother of Perez, and Ruth, mother of Obed, and Mary, mother of Jesus. And for good measure, the fourth woman mentioned is Bathsheba, but again, she's not mentioned by name, only by her marital status. You can go back and check that out. Verse 17 of the first chapter, though, it sums up the genealogy in this way. All the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. This is the patrilineal ancestry of Joseph, the patrilineal ancestry of Jesus, the Messiah. And though it speaks to the messianic identity of Jesus, it also tells us a little bit more about the initial audience to whom this gospel was written. You see, scholars believe that the Gospel of Matthew was written sometime between the years 80 and 90 in the Common Era. And it was written to an unsettled population, to a population disrupted internally. It was written to a population of faithful people. Faithful people seeking to understand, seeking to reconcile traditions from which they had come to a future redefined by the experiences of Christ on earth. And the first chapter of Matthew was intended to help reconcile and reorient the community as a whole to a new way of being in the world. For a population accustomed to the genealogies of the Hebrew Bible— This generational information in Matthew is important, and it provides a strong foundation to support the change that happens within Joseph as news of the Messiah entering into the world comes to light. So that brings us up to our text for this morning. I invite you now to turn with me to the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, starting with the 18th verse, and let us listen for God's word. Let us pray. God of love, God of love, reveal yourself to us. Make yourself known. Startle us again with your love. And may we be changed evermore. Amen. Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there we have it. There we have it, the birth narrative of Jesus the Messiah as told by the Gospel of Matthew. And we hear the story through the lens of Joseph, the one who names Jesus. By naming the child according to God's command, in effect, Joseph adopts this child as his own. And this adoption into the Davidic ancestry becomes the gospel writer's way of ushering us into the mystery of the incarnation. But let's back up just a moment and let's start from the beginning. Joseph was a kind and righteous man. I suspect he was the kind of guy that might be sitting here in these pews today. He worked hard. He followed the rules he was betrothed to a woman named mary he was going about his life in an upright manner the normal way living up to the expectations of his family and of society and then he found out that his fiancee was pregnant but not by him like any other man in, in his shoes in that time and place his next steps were clear to him he needed to protect his reputation not be made a fool He loved his fiancée, didn't want to hurt her, but he couldn't marry her when she carried the child of another. What would people think of him if he did? He would dismiss her. He would cut his losses, let her go, find another wife maybe. We can't blame him, can we? So Joseph went to bed after finding out that Mary was pregnant, confident in his decision to break up with her the next morning, to let her go, to start over, but God had different plans because when Joseph was drifting off to sleep that night an angel appeared to him an angel appeared to him and this is where important themes of Matthew of Matthew's gospel begin to emerge themes of righteousness and faithfulness and what the presence of Emmanuel God with us teaches us about both You see, the angel appears to Joseph, calls him by his family name, and immediately encourages Joseph to allay his fears, to remain steadfast in his commitment to Mary. Mary has not been unfaithful. Saving face ought not be your concern, the angel explains to Joseph. This is about God. This is about God. This is about the Holy Spirit dwelling among humankind this is about the Messiah, the one who will save humanity with grace, with mercy, with love. And in this moment, in the midst of this dream, Joseph is confronted with a question. And the question being what does righteousness really look like in the presence of God? What does righteousness really look like in the presence of God? What Joseph initially understood as the righteous course of action, it's challenged directly by the call of God to act precisely opposite to what he believed the law demanded. Just when he thought he had it all figured out according to the law, just when he determined what he needed to do to preserve Mary's life while protecting his own righteousness, Emmanuel, Emmanuel entered in and claimed that the promises of God, the promises of God will now take shape in a new creative power. And right here, right in the beginning of the gospel, we are given a new model of righteousness. A new model that is vulnerable to the Holy Spirit. A new model that's impacted by the presence of Jesus. A new model that is rooted In faithfulness to God. In the light of the morning, with confidence in the presence of God breaking into the world, forgiveness came more easily to Joseph. His plan had been disrupted. Joseph didn't break his betrothal to Mary, he didn't do what was expected of him or what he himself had expected to do. Instead, he married Mary. And when the time came, Joseph named the child Jesus. As many of you know, excuse me, Heather and I, we have a five month old bundle of joy named Lou at home. And it was around this time last year, actually, that Heather and I began to share the good news that we were pregnant with close family and friends. And one memory that stands out to me from this time last year was a conversation that I had with a close friend who is also a Christian. She practices her faith in a more conservative Christian community, and she faithfully spends time reading scripture and praying daily devotionals. And when I called to share with her the good news, her first reaction was mixed at best. She really struggled with it, actually. She had a hard time reconciling her hope for us to be happy and fulfilled with her conviction shaped by her religious tradition. The daily devotionals that she studied, the tradition that she practiced, there was a heavy emphasis on the so-called traditional family. One man marries one woman, and together they have babies. Not knowing how else to phrase it, She asked me, in that moment, how my family could be in accordance with God's will. From her point of reference, she couldn't see how it would. So I reminded her of Jesus. I reminded her of Joseph, actually. I reminded her of how Joseph and Mary's future, how the very definition of family was and is redefined by the experience of Christ on earth. Joseph's story of how his family came into being, well, it illuminates for us just how transformative Emmanuel is for God's people. The story of new life entering in reminds us that each one of us is a child of God, every single human being born into this world. The story reminds us that parents are entrusted with the care of God's children, gifted with the opportunity to raise them, to love them well, to nurture them in faith. It reminds us that families are not formed are, that families are formed not only by DNA, but by God's creative presence. And I reminded my friend that miring oneself in the biological proofs, well, that distracts from the importance of the light of Christ entering into the world, the hope for every child, the capacity for every child to be faithful to God. Joseph's story reminds us that, indeed, it is possible to grow from a place of legalistic teaching of tradition Into a future redefined by the experience of Christ on earth. If there's one thing this passage might teach us for our lives today, it is that the transformative power of Jesus is at work in the world. From the moment Joseph learned of Jesus' existence. Patterns of self-righteousness, patterns of blame, patterns of self-protection no longer sufficed for Joseph, and they no longer suffice for us either. Joseph's initial response to hearing of Mary's pregnancy, it was to dismiss her. It was to do what seemed right and fair, even just according to the law. But Jesus interrupted the pattern that would have perpetuated brokenness. Jesus interrupted the pattern that would have perpetuated division. Jesus interrupted the pattern of retribution. The light, the light of the world enters into the world through this child and patterns of restoration, patterns of reconciliation, Patterns of creation are now established. The old patterns, the old habits of tit-for-tat, they don't have power in our lives anymore. Instead, instead, we're called to live freely with grace, with mercy, with hope, with love. And it started with Mary and Joseph and their child, our Savior. In the coming week, as the light of Christ grows brighter in the world, as we celebrate Christmas, I invite you to consider, I invite you to consider how the presence of Jesus changes you. How it liberates you. How does the presence of Jesus liberate you? Will you consider opening yourself up to God's love bestowed upon you? Will you open yourself up to such love? Like Joseph, might you bear witness to the light of the world? Will you take the opportunity to see the presence of God before your very eyes? Will you take the opportunity to be transformed by it? God's presence in the world through Jesus, it makes all the difference for us as people of faith and for the world. All the difference. And thanks be to God that through this child born unto all of us, we are ushered into a new future. A new future redefined by true, deep, and abiding love. A future redefined. A future redefined by the experience of Emmanuel, of God with us. Thanks be to God. Amen.